0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. We've been away for a couple of weeks, um, but welcoming us back we've got Tradespert.
1: Hey guys.
0: And we've also got Cookson. Heyo. Um there's been a few rounds of games since the last time we had a podcast so I thought it would be better instead of recapping um particular games we'll look at a few of the teams that have set the division alight so far this season and I thought we'd start with the, the pace setters in Manchester City um and there's been a lot of talk in the media and a lot of talk on the board about the fact that they are essentially champions in waiting and I say that in the sense that um, up until last game week, they were undefeated. They were absolutely flying under Pep. I don't think they'd even drop points um, in the league or in any competition, apart from a draw with Celtic in the Champions League. Um, but I'll get each of your thoughts. I'll start with trade spurt. Um, do you see Man City as basically the champions in waiting, or do you think there's still a lot of uh, water to go under the bridge?
1: Uh they're my favourites. I think they've got a bigger chance than anybody. But I think there's still a heap of water to go under the bridge. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, as we've seen, just the last game they played against Tottenham, Tottenham had a very convincing 2 0 victory against them. So it just sort of shows that um, they do have weaknesses still, despite a very strong start, and they can be beaten. And um, like just they might be flying now, but who's to say they're going to continue flying for the rest of the season? Like I'd still, I honestly still expect Manchester United to to really come good, especially once Jose really marks his spot in the team. And Tottenham are continuing to do really well, and Arsenal and Liverpool have performed probably better than expected as well. So I think the challenges are doing just as well. Sort of in previous years, it was almost the challenges, uh, the expected challenges to Chelsea, the Man United. Liverpool, and they who expected it to be good have been pretty crap. But if you actually look at the top seven sides, you'd basically predict almost all of them to be in the top seven right now. So most of them are doing as expected.
0: Cookie, um, Tradesburg mentions there that they had that first loss to Spurs, and do you see that as um, perhaps cracks in, in the Man City game plan? Maybe it's a blueprint for other sides on how to beat them, or is that more just um, the way that Spurs play their natural game, and Pochettino knowing how to, to beat Guardiola? Because obviously he's done it before with, I think it was Espanyol or, or, or someone back in back in um, La Liga. Yeah.
2: There are cracks in their side, Evid. So, so their side still mainly rests on two players. That is Aguero and De Bruyne. I
0: Which mean, we've seen. I mean, we've them. seen without De Bruyne that yeah. they've they've certainly fallen off a bit.
2: I mean, we were pretty much calling them champions this time last year, and yeah, that's true. They fell off the wagon. So they're still very beatable. i mean, for Pep Guardiola's side. It still has weaknesses at back. Fullbacks are still a bit shoddy.
0: Do you think, as well, uh, in terms of the players that Pep might have put offside a little bit, um, in terms of the Joe Hart, the Yaya Toure, even Samir Nasri and others that he's put out on loan, do you see his um, dealings with them or the way he's handled their departures from the club as as causing any sort of friction in the club, or do you sort of see it more as him turfing out the bad, um, the rotten eggs, so to speak?
2: Well, we kind of knew that. Nazri wasn't going to play because he's, well, useless. I mean, we can be all honest there. Joe Hart probably was really bad how they went about it. I mean, it's just someone who was there pre-takeover. Arguably the heart and soul of the club and they're just like, yeah, we'll turf you. And Tore. Yeah. <laughs> Tore. let's be <clears throat> honest, his agent is is a bit of a wanker. <laughs> and yeah, there's no surprise. But also, apparently, Pep's banned Wi-Fi. Oh, really? Yeah, it's banned Wi-Fi at the training ground.
0: Um, trade Spare, I mean, Cookson's just touched on as well in terms of the players. Do you see um, someone like Aguero as being quite key to, to City's success and, and I guess De Bruyne as well? I mean, so so much is carried by quite a few... Uh, quite. Um, only a few players at that club at the moment I mean there's a chance for you know, Sterling um, Nolito perhaps archo to step into that spotlight if these injuries were to occur but do you see the fitness of De Bruyne and Aguero as being sort of key to their title hopes
1: I do but I feel if you take the best two players out of any side they're going to be significantly weaker and um, I think probably more of the, the the worry is that Aguario is extremely injury prone and De Bruyne probably over the last 12 or so months has had his fair share of injury and fitness concerns. So if they're going to miss more football than they play, then they're, they're going to cause serious headaches. But I think as long as they can... As long as Aguario can play 60 to 70% of the games, I think they'll be right. And De Bruyne... Sh- De Bruyne, previous to Manchester City, didn't have a terrible injury record, so hopefully for City's sake, he can he can get his body right and um, kick on some form. But I I think unless they had some serious serious long term injuries, I wouldn't expect them to to have any major concerns with their current fitness. Because as I said, if you take the best two teams out of any any side, they're gonna they're gonna struggle a bit.
0: Uh, absolutely, and and we'll move on then to talk about their cross-city rivals in United, and we've got you on, on the podcast to chat about them, Cookie. Um, it's been a bit of a mixed start for United to the season. Obviously, you winning your first, I think it was three games of the season before that Manchester derby, uh, in which it was a pretty one-sided game in the first half, and, and then you came back into it. But since then, it's been almost... Um, Quite similar to that, where United has either turned up for one half or the other, but not for the full game, and, and it's cost you some points in, in a couple of games now, particularly against Watford and Stoke. Uh, you had that hammering of Leicester in between, where I think, was it 4-0 at half time. So was that another game where you, where um, there wasn't a whole lot going on in that second half? Uh,
2: there was a lot going on in the second half, but United definitely weren't. They were more in a bit of save energy mode.
0: So so what what has changed since those first few games of the season, or is it more there was that bubble at the start with um, Ibra coming into the side, Mourinho kind of galvanising galvanizing the players, and now everything's sort of kind of gone back to the norm?
2: It's just we haven't been taking our chances. I mean, we had a shitload of chances versus Stoke that weren't taken, that cost points. And against Watford, we were pretty good, but again, didn't take the chances. This is probably less as the one game where everything just came together and it was pretty well, but it's just not taking the chances and one or two defensive lapses.
0: Um, and, and also then in terms of Pogba, who's who's obviously the big money signing in the side and, and, and costs that record fee, um, do you get the sense that United supporters are sort of starting to get a bit impatient with him or are they still really behind him and really supporting him?
2: They're still really behind him, really supporting of him. They just want him to... We want him to be pushed forward a bit, but the issue is one match is the number 10, so we kind of want him as eight and a half, just because he can do the box-to-box run, but his passing has improved a lot. He's dribbling a lot less, because the Leicester half where he was kind of controlling the game, that's what we want from him. He just needs to maybe, tr- he's was almost forcing it too much, just let it happen naturally, what he needs to do
0: trade spirit, have just, you sort sorry. of expected united to play the way they have is this sort of um i mean they started quite well but is this sort of more what we expected from them
1: uh, um they've done well in all honesty i probably had a tiny little bit higher expect expectations of them um just because i think they've had a fantastic off season and recruited extremely well but when you go and you bring in so many new players and you have a new manager, it does take a lot of time for Mortage And like as we're speaking about Pugbe. He just almost isn't just quite in a routine. He just hasn't really got the rhythm going yet. Once he gets his rhythm going, Jose gets a bit more of a grip on the tactics and gets everybody working the way that he wants to. I think we need to judge them probably after a little bit more than seven games. I think they've been respectable yeah. without being noticeably fantastic. But um, probably, I probably I still think they should finish top three, no worries.
0: Another side that's had a bit of a mixed start to the season is, is your mob in Everton. I mean, you, you guys started quite well as another side that really had a fantastic start under a new manager. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, it's dropped away a little bit with that loss to Bournemouth and also that draw to Crystal Palace. Um, is that any sort of cause for concern for you? Or do you think it's just more of a blip on the radar and, and you guys are still playing quite well?
1: I think it's a minor cause for concern. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been very disappointing. And like if you, every team has a bad game or two, but when you play quite terrible for two games in a row, that's when you sort of need to start said, all right, how can we improve this? Um, We started extremely well, but in all honesty, we haven't had a lot of really hard fixtures to this current point in time. Um, We've got Man City coming up on the weekend. So if we lose that, I've lost three in a row and then I'll start going, alright, Koeman, you need to start changing things up. Players' performances need to rise a lot as well. Um, But I'm sort of waiting to see this City game, because if we can have a solid performance at the Etihad Stadium, I'll probably look, alright, well we'll be sitting in the top six eight games in, that's pretty good. Whereas if we lose, then we've lost three in a row. So, I'm going to wait and see if it was a couple of bad weeks, because I think if we make it three losses in a row, even if it is to City, I think that's very disappointing to sort of go from three wins in a row to uh, four wins in a row to three losses in a row so I think there's little minor things that need to be chopped and changed I think um, we've been a bit too erratic and outside of Lukaku we haven't really pushed on a lot going forward well I was going to um, ask
0: that do you, do you see that reliance on Lukaku as a, as a cause for concern I mean he started the season quite slowly but in recent weeks he's been that source of goals for you guys
1: I'm not too concerned about it, just because that's Lukaku. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. He can get manhandled, he can get bullied around, he can have more than one player on him, he still finds a way just to, to score goals. So I'm not overly too concerned. I'm more concerned that, um, like, well, we know what we're going to get from Lukaku, but we need other players, already, and Lukaku can win us games, but we need other game, other players to also be able to, to win us games. Like the lassie probably needs to take that extra step forward. Bridget Lafayette really hasn't got going yet. And Kevin Morales has been all right without being exceptional. So I think we sort of need to have... We need Lukaku to still play to the standard that he is, but then we just need other players to be doing their thing as well. I don't think we rely on him we just, uh, more than we should. We just need to get more out of the other players around him so it doesn't look like he's doing all the work.
0: Cookson, do you see Everton as a legitimate chance at top four or do you think that's a bit beyond them at this stage?
2: It's there's chance to probably to reach fourth spot, but arguably they do lack well some of the quality the other clubs have. But it's all about really performing, isn't it? Because I mean their defence has been all right. Their forwards again, Lukaku's been good, but there probably has been a bit of a lack of goals amongst others. So they need. The midfielders to step up a little
1: bit. Well, Adrissa Gay's been doing it, but um, other than a Gay, nobody else has been really doing anything in the midfield, so I completely agree.
0: Well, I was going to ask then, as a final point, I mean, we've had a bit of discussion on the board a few weeks back, but Gay uh, is certainly one of the signings of the season, if not the signing, in terms of the impact he's had straight on coming into Everton. Um, how have you seen his form since he's transferred over from Villa, uh, Tradesburg?
1: I've already got a man crush on the bloke. I absolutely <laughs> love him. <laughs> he's unreal. He's work rate and he's he well, Kerman likes us to play a really, really press press uh, pressing, press full game. And um, he just suits that so well. He closes players down so quick. Players get one touch and bam he's right there on him. And sort of we we knew we were gonna get that from him he, at Lalin uh League one, League one He did that extremely well. And then at Villa, he sort of did that. But the question marks was sort of, all right, what does he do when the ball's at his feet? But he works just as hard going forward as what he does backwards. He's gotten some really neat interplay with Lukaku and Balassi and other players going forward. And he's just, he's really changed the way we're playing. I think he's been the most important player for us by an absolute mile, even though Lukaku's kicked I think, about five goals this season. So, yeah, he's been unreal. Ultimate man crush already brewing.
0: Uh, And then in the comparisons to N'Golo Kante, do you think comparisons are fair or do you think he's still um, uh, perhaps got a little way to go before those sorts of discussions are had?
1: I think the comparisons are fair because he does play like him, but I think he has to play a lot more top games to, to be the standard. Um, Kante what he costed nearly thirty million pounds. Yeah. So we we just paid seven million pounds for gay. So he needs to he needs to but prove in, it, it for over a season, but in that the context, signs are definitely there.
0: In that context then would you say that Because this was the source of the discussion of Big Footy, was would you say then that um you got the better value perhaps out of gay because whilst he might not be at Kante's level, for the compar- for the comparison in price, perhaps he's Performing well enough that that's actually the better avenue to take to to spend the seven million on Gay instead of splashing the thirty on Kante?
1: I absolutely think, and being a, a club in the the stature of Everton, a, a thousand and one percent. Um, but to Chelsea's defence, Chelsea almost need to go and sign high reputation players to keep the supporters happy, to keep the sponsors happy, to keep everything ticking over nicely. And there was there was risk involved in he he played alright at um, a, a very very bad Aston Villa, and we're sort of seen with like um, Wijnaldum from Newcastle. When you're in a terrible environment and, they're play, and you're playing, your team's playing really shit football, you do get dragged down to that level. But I I feel that the value we pay for him is really good. But I still think that that was what he wor- was worth at the time. And when we signed him, I don't think anybody expected him to be as good as as good as what he. It was.
0: Can't argue with that. Um, we'll move across Liverpool this time to Liverpool FC, um, the red half of Liverpool, um, who've probably been up there in terms of the exciting stakes alongside Manchester City with goals scored equal first for goals scored, but um, an interesting stat since Klopp's come in is that they've been around mid-table or worse in terms of goals conceded, and it seems that they've basically adopted this mentality of, um, if you score three, we'll score four sort of thing to win matches, and and they've certainly been doing that this season with a number of pretty big wins, and last time out, they came from behind to beat Swansea, which was really impressive, and they knocked off my mob the week before 5-1, which... um, you know, in previous seasons, those might have been the sorts of games they'd drop points in or they'd lose, especially that Swansea game. Um, if Swansea was sitting a bit more defensively after they scored, Liverpool might have struggled, but but they came back and won that game. Um, do you see those signs as suggesting that Liverpool might be finally able to mount a title challenge, Cookson? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you speak well, about an <laughs> the they mount a challenge, but
2: they won't win it. I mean, Defence wins championships. I mean, you just look at every United side that's won a championship. Strong centre-backs, a strong keeper. Same with Arsenal, with their back four and through the Invincibles. Then also with Jose Mourinho's Chelsea. It's just, you need the defence to win it.
0: How do you see it, Transpairn?
1: I think on their day, their end-of-season highlight reel will look better than probably anybody's. (laughs) And, like, yeah, they've scored 18 goals, but they are still conceded more goals than any other team in the top half of the, the Premier League table currently. And as Cookson was just elaborating on, defence wins your titles, and I currently I don't have enough faith in their defence, nor have we seen from Liverpool, probably almost over the best... Part of a decade, we haven't actually seen Liverpool being able to consistently play to the top level over an entire 38-game season. So I just I question that because they do have a lot of flary type players and a lot of players that are up and down. I fear, for the Liverpool fans' sake, that they probably are going to be prone to quite a few slip-ups over the season. But in saying that, <laughs> that was that a, was that a deliberate
0: choice of words there? <laughs>
1: in all honesty, I would like to say it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> 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 <Good>. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think um, consistent. I, I think consistency is still a big question at Liverpool. Yeah, and um, I, I question sorry? whether they'll be able to win, win yeah. a league. I don't think they'll be able to win the league. Maybe one day, but not this season.
0: Um, do we see it as a positive sign, obviously, uh, for Liverpool supporters, that they've had such a, an incredible spread of goal scorers in that front five, almost, you'd say? I mean, you've got your Firmino, your Coutinho, Lallana, Mane, Henderson, Wijnaldum, um, you know, all of these guys, even Sturridge off the bench. All of these guys are incredibly dangerous around goal. Um and it's almost as if they're succeeding without a recognised striker starting on the pitch. I mean, Firmino's basically playing as that most advanced player. But any of those players can sort of rotate through either the midfield, the centre-forward striker sort of area, or even on, onto the wings, um, which is really giving them that dynamism going forward and that unpredictability. So um, in terms of the top sides... Um, as a more general question I'll put to both of you, I'll start with you, Tradespert. I mean, th- there's a few sides we haven't talked about yet, but in Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, even if you want to include them in the discussion, but who would you say has the most potent attack and, and, and who do you think um, is probably the most dangerous team um, in terms of all-round game? I mean, Spurs, for instance, have only conceded three goals, um, so, so who would you say is the most dangerous team? The
1: most Dangerous team for a title, a title run.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, um, I, I honestly, I really rate Tottenham. I think um, what Pochettino has done is absolutely fantastic. He's built them so, so, so strong from the back, and um, I think that is super impressive. Um, but they're still almost as good as anybody going forward. Um, I, in terms of a bit of underdog i still think liverpool's attack is the most is the most dangerous on par with probably manchester city um, i think tottenham have the potential to be the almost a surprise packet we sort of said that uh, last season and then they dropped off come the end and ended up finishing below arsenal again Well, finishing third um, and then there was a couple of seasons ago where they were really up there for the for the first half of the season, and then people sort of thought, "Wait a minute, can they actually do this?" And then they dropped off again. I think they've now got enough games into those younger sort of players, and the likes of Dyer and Rose and Dali Alley and well, you could name them for forever. All those younger players are sort of they're not almost kids anymore they've actually become mature senior players and I think that they're they're aging together and they're growing together and I think they can almost take that one step as a as a core and a whole and I honestly I think they have what it takes to take that next step on and really push for really push for the title this season
0: and how about you Cookson who do you see as um um maybe of the teams we haven't discussed who do you see as perhaps the most uh dangerous in terms of challenging for that title
2: Oof! The probably would be Chelsea.
0: Okay.
2: I mean, they outside the teams we discussed, they're the ones They have good attack, good midfield.
0: Defense the defence is a bit, a bit of a question mark, yeah.
2: Yeah, defence is, is a bit of a question mark, but they can't be as bad as last season. <laughs> so there's always that.
0: Well, no. But, yeah.
2: oh, they are flying
1: under the radar quite a bit.
0: Absolutely. There's, there's
1: nothing stopping them from from really getting a grip, and Conte will probably Conte will also probably take a little bit of time to get his get his grip on the, the squad, a bit like Jose will at Manchester United. So give him a bit of time.
0: Well, we'll um, move on then and we'll talk about Chelsea because they're actually the early game up against Leicester um, live and free on SBS, which is always great because an SBS game means no delayed coverage, which is always a good thing. Um, and I'll get both your opinions on this one because it's a pretty interesting game. Um, this, the the team's had some pretty interesting matches last season. I mean, I remember, I think it was Leicester-Chelsea played in October or November last season, uh, and it was actually the game that Marino got sacked after, and, and Leicester was sort of really stamping their authority on the league and, on, and sort of starting to establish those title-winning credentials. Um, so there's a bit of history between the two sides, and obviously N'Golo Kante moving over in the off-season to Chelsea. Um, I'll start with you, Cookson. How do you see this one panning out? It's at Stamford Bridge. Do we see a similar sort of fate for Leicester that they faced against United, where this season they probably don't have what it takes to go with the bigger teams.
2: Yeah. Leicester will be going in probably counter-attacking. I reckon Chelsea will probably get over the line with Batman up front. (laughs) I mean, they just... I don't know. I just think Leicester have lost their surprise factor big time. They've lost out on... Can't say he was quite a big part for them. Marez hasn't been as good, so yeah, I reckon Chelsea will probably do them in, probably 2-0. And how
0: about you, Transfer?
2: Yeah, I'm back in Chelsea, and
1: I, I I think they finally started to get the wheels turning a little bit. Um, Leicester probably haven't really gotten to the, the proper swing of things, but yeah, Chelsea's won the last three in a row, so I think they'll make it four. You can probably see him winning 1-0.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chelsea will get the get, get the chocolates in this one, and I agree that um, uh, Leicester certainly haven't looked as good as they have in, in in last season. And I do think a large part of that is Kante um, departing the club, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes up against his former Leicester teammates. Um, I, I do think it could be 2 or 3-0 to Chelsea. I think it might be a little bit one-sided because Leicester really do seem to have been a bit found out, um, especially that United game highlighted that they Really, um, their game plan really needs a bit of work, so um, who knows? I mean, Ranieri might kind of work with it and and change the formation a little bit. Slimani might um, prove to be a really astute signing for them, but I can see Chelsea winning this one fairly comfortably. Um, I'll get your thoughts on the next game trade spurt, and it's Arsenal at home to Swansea. Um, Swansea with a new manager in Bob Bradley, the American. Um, I'll firstly get your thoughts on that appointment, and then your thoughts on the match in general.
1: I think the wheels are well and truly fallen off to Swansea. No disrespect to to the supporters, but uh, they've had the hardest start fixture wise, I believe, for the season.
0: Ooh, oh, be close with us, I reckon. And, yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, well, they've been right <laughs> up there, and yeah. they they lost um, Ashley Williams. Yep. They lost um, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Ayan. No. I, I,
0: I, you, Andre, are you, and also yeah, are you, Thomas? are you? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And so what you're saying like, really is it's, it's evidence fault for pinching Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it's all our fault. It's all yeah. our fault. We'll blame
1: West Ham too, <laughs> just because I like blaming West Ham for stuff. Um, but yeah, I, 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 think it's so rough. I think they just wanted to put their stance on the on the club, the, the new the new um chairman. But yeah, I think it's craziness. I I felt really sorry for Francesco. Um. Uh, I hope Arsenal win just because I don't like what what the Swansea board board are doing to them. Uh, I think Swansea uh, Swansea should probably have a few problems from the rest of the point of the season. But Arsenal should win this game without any really... Too many concerns. I'll go with Arsenal
0: 3-1. No worries. And then we've got Stoke at home to Sunderland-Cooks and it's the battle of the bottom two, I think. Um, Basically, either side winning this game would lift them... I think, out of the bottom three and really sort of um, get their season started. Um, I saw a funny comment the other day that Sunderland fans must be over the moon at the moment because it's 10 days since their last defeat, um, which is a real achievement for them this season. So h- how do you see this game against Stoke panning out? I uh,
2: probably I see Stoke winning it. Stoke have far better attack. This is a far better team. They haven't really shown it, but i expect them to lift now. Sunderland, they're managed by David Moyes and that's a death <laughs> sentence.
0: Well, I mean, both of you can speak from experience on that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I and talk, I
1: talked Moyes up and thought he would have been all right at Sunderland. Yeah, well... Shows what I know.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll go back to you on the next one, Tradespert, because we've got West Brom at home to Spurs. Um, I think last season this game was the 1-1 game that pretty much put lights out on Spurs' title challenge. Do you see Mm -hmm. West Brom as posing much of a threat to Spurs in the form they're in? I mean, they've got Nasser Chadley who's firing um, against his former employees. Might be, um, employers I should say, might be dangerous. Or or do you see Spurs sort of being too professional and too clinical?
1: Um, I think think Spurs will will be too good, but... It's not necessarily a fact when you play a purest team, it's not necessarily the fact of being the better team. It's being able to put away your chances and get the most of your opportunities because they do come far and few in between quite often when you're playing at the Hawthorns. Um, I think Spurs will have the West Brom game of last season very vividly in their memory because that really was the 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 turning point, if you will, in their season, as you elaborated on before. So I think they'll really want to go out there and almost get a bit of revenge. And I honestly think that motivation will give Tottenham more than enough to to give them the victory.
0: Fair enough. The next game is Bournemouth at home to Hull. And interestingly, I don't think we've played Bournemouth since 3 I think was the season where we got the double over them we beat them 4-0 away from home and 1-0 at home Um, so it'll be interesting because for obviously a lot of our supporters going down there it'll be the first time at Dean Court Um, this is the start of a pretty easy run of fixtures for for us so I really hope we can capitalise on that and get some points on the board because we started the season pretty brightly but have kind of faded in, in our tough fixtures with Liverpool, Arsenal Chelsea back to back and United a couple of games before that um it'll be an interesting interesting one though because Bournemouth at home are a challenging prospect as you would know trade expert. from I think the Everton 1-0 loss was at <laughs> was at um Dean Court so I think um they're yep. certainly so, yeah they're certainly looking quite dangerous at home. Um so it, it'll be an interesting one I, I really I'm pretty optimistic about this game, but at at the end of the day, there's still a lot of turmoil around the club with um, Mike Phelan and whether he'll actually be appointed the permanent manager. He still hasn't been appointed. Um, Steve Bruce has now been appointed at Aston Villa. So in the time since Bruce left the club... Di has been sacked by Aston Villa, and Bruce has actually been appointed by Aston Villa, all while we still haven't appointed a permanent manager. And and Bruce is now looking at pinching a couple of our backroom staff. So, um, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks at the club. Um, I would hope... Sorry? Quick question. Quick question.
1: Do you think that's because Phelan, they feel, deserves that little bit of time to show if he's got what it's worth? Because start the season too bad at all.
0: Yeah, well that's why I'm wondering, the only explanation I can think is that they're looking at this set of fixtures and thinking, well he's had a really tough run of games, we'll give him these next few easier games and then we can get a much better sense of where he's at, um, rather than either giving him a worse contract because of the the poor run of form we've had, or even not wanting to appoint him. They're sort of trying not to rush into it. But it's gotten to that point where it's like, well, it's not really rushing anymore. We've we've had him for a couple of months now, and we really should be sort of providing some stability for the club, appointing a proper backroom staff to support him, and really getting on with things. Because it's it's really proving to be a massive distraction for the players as well, who every press conference pretty much have to get asked what, what their stance is on Phelan, and they all come out saying they want him. Um, and so it must just be a huge drain on the club at the moment, but I'm going to, I'm going to back us to win this one. I think it'll be 2-1 or, or, or 3-2 or something like that. Cause we've had a pretty decent scoring record so far this season, but, um, Bournemouth obviously looking good defensively. So it'll be a really interesting game. So, um, looking forward to that one indeed. Um, I'll go back to you, Tradespert, and I'll also bring you in on this one, Cookson, because it's Man City against Everton, so it's a pretty big game. Um, I'll start with you, though, Tradespert, because it is Everton um, at Man City, so it's a tough away trip for you. Um, what, what are your feelings going into this one? Is it, is it the sort of game where you're really looking to back the team in to go out for the win, or um, any sort of point, any sort of result would be more than more than enough?
1: I don't care who we're playing, I don't care if we're playing Barcelona, I want to go out to any game and try and win. Um, that's probably not the way Koeman thinks, and that's probably why is <laughs> the manager and not me. Um, I, I think we'll probably be a bit more measured, I think we'll probably really look to, to have a really strong core back four and build from there. I can't see us taking a lot of risks, I think it'll almost be playing, playing the back four with Coleman and Baines, if he's fit and ready to come back, getting a little bit of Roman space, but I think the back four will be pretty steady for Gay and Barry will drop back more, and we'll just let the, the Kaku, Balassi, and probably Kevin Morales will probably be the other player that starts up forward, or probably those three just try and break him down, try and get a win while the rest of the team just tries to hold back the ship. I think we'd be secretly happy with the draw and ask me after the match, and I'd... I'd almost be... uh, Before the match, I'd almost definitely be happy with the draw, too. But I still feel that you should go into any game hoping hoping and expecting you'll be able to win the game.
0: But... I
1: think it's a huge task. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Cookie, do you see this one as being a bit beyond Everton? Do you think City will get over them? Or do you look at City's form recently without De Bruyne? Sterling's also a question mark. Um, Aguero's had a pretty mixed bag in in the international break. I think he missed a penalty for Argentina uh, in their loss to Paraguay. So do you see it maybe as a a really good time to be playing Man City? Well, it's
2: probably no better time than ever, ever to play them. I expect Everton to come out. They will be defending. They will be trying to be intelligent throughout this game. And with the Bruyne out, I reckon Everton will nick a draw. Okay. Probably a 1-1 draw.
0: Fair enough. Um, we'll move on then, and I'll, I'll get your opinion on this one, Cookie. It's Palace at home to West Ham. Um, a pretty unappealing game, perhaps, on paper, but it's still really interesting, given the fact that West Ham have had such a poor start to the season. Um away from home is almost better for them. I mean, they're away from the Olympic Stadium where they've had a lot of trouble with the supporters and, and, and the way that um, the seating plan has worked out. Do you, do you see them maybe getting a win against Palace in this one or, or do you think Palace have sort of struck on that vein of form now that Benteke is scoring goals for them?
2: I think West Ham will probably... They'll be a lot more... Well, more focused, more relaxed after the international break... So I don't think they'll lose, but I reckon they'll draw, but Ben probably is the real big danger man for Crystal Palace, so it's really down to Ben Teke or Payet, who can play best.
0: So you reckon maybe a score draw with, with both of them getting amongst the goals?
2: Yeah, 2-2 two, two draw.
0: Fair enough. Um, trade spurt, next game is Middlesbrough up against Watford at home, um, Middlesbrough have also had a we well, have had a pretty easy start to the season. I mean, Watford have had a, a tougher start to the s- season than uh, Middlesbrough, but Watford, funnily enough, as is the case with some sides, is they've actually performed better in those tougher games, and now that the easier games are coming along, they're actually struggling a bit more. So how do you see this one panning out?
2: Oof. Cheers. Oh, Watford. Probably Watford winning. Middlesbrough's been good, but they haven't really. Well, they've been solid, but Watford, do you reckon they probably have a bit more attacking flair about them to get the free points?
0: Um, Southampton have obviously looked a lot better recently um, under Pierre um, in the Europa League as well as in the league, um, while Burnley have. Haven't been too bad under Diash. They've um, certainly had their share of decent results um, mixed in with some, some poorer ones. Um, Southampton at home for that one. How do you see that one panning out?
1: I think it'll be a, a pretty close encounter. Um, Southampton started really crap, but then they got their first win under the belt against Swansea a couple of weeks ago, and they've been pretty consistent since. Whereas Burnley, whilst they're, they're still in the bottom third of the table, if... If you think back at their losses, I think they lost to Chelsea, they lost to Leicester, and then they lost last, well, the last game to Arsenal as well. So it's not like they're losing the games that they should be winning. They, they've been pretty consistent and they've been getting all right results. So I actually think that Burnley will be able to, will be able to finish the game with a draw, which I think will be a good result for them. Southampton will probably be hoping for a win, but I think Burnley will be able to hold them to a draw. I'll go 1-1.
0: And then the big one to finish off the weekend, well, it's the Monday night uh, English time, Tuesday morning our time, which is an interesting time for such a big game. But we've got Liverpool at home to Manchester United. Um, I'll start with you on this one, Cookson. It almost seems the battle of the defence against the attack. I mean, United have scored their share of goals, but they seem to be perhaps more defensively sound than Liverpool to some extent. So do you see it more as a game of containment for United, or do you think you'll go more head-to-head with them?
2: Well, again, to start out, it's a stupid time slot for all, especially for us in Asia and the Pacific, (laughs) but yeah, it's probably, we're going to have to, well, we've usually gone into uh, uh, games at Anfield a lot more defensive, except under Van Gaal, where, where we carved them to shreds like two years ago, which was surprising, but... Yeah, it's probably... We will be defensive. We'll be trying to contain them. And then we'll be trying to hit them on the counter with Pogba, Herrera, and Mata just trying to carve them up. Is that how you would line up, mate? Would you try and play them off the counter
1: and be a bit more defensive? Or would you want to take the game right to them? Honestly, if all players
2: were assumed fit, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably have... Well, have back four of... Darmian or, or probably Valencia... By Smalling, Shaw. Then I'll probably have a midfield trio of Dali, Blind, Ander Herrera, and Paul Pogba.
0: What, what would be your uh, score prediction, Cookson?
2: Well, we have to go by a Dr. Colossus logic, where, <laughs> where we'd be ostentatious and large and we win. So United to win <laughs> uh,
0: 56-0. <laughs> Tres- Solid. <laughs> How do you see this one? Um, obviously, as we've said, Liverpool have such attacking potency uh, and United have struggled a little bit recently. Do you see um, perhaps the home side getting the win in this one or, or because this is such a high-intensity game, um, perhaps form goes out the window a bit?
1: I, I, I think this will be a game where Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, I, I don't think they'll take the game right to Manchester United. I'll be a little bit... Surprised if they go all out attack. I think they'll be quite respectful of the the back four that has been reasonably solid for Manchester United this year. Um, and I don't. I think it'll be the team that blinks first will end up losing the game in some respects. I think that Liverpool can't get carried too carried away, and I don't think they'll go out too too much at the start. If United can do the, do something quite similar and managed to score I think it's anybody's game and I honestly don't even know I'll go with <laughs> a 2-2 draw just because I'm not Confident enough to back either side in.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. It's such a tough game to pick, and it's definitely... I think, anyway, it's definitely going to have goals in it, because I think the way Liverpool are playing, especially in these bigger games, is they're really looking to go out and, and score a couple of goals to, to force the other side to, to try and penetrate and, and get through their defence and, and get goals themselves. So um, I think it could be a score draw in this one, but it'll uh, certainly be one to tune in for. Um, and until then, um, thanks for coming on, guys. You're no welcome. Welcome. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening in. Hopefully, it's a really good weekend for your team. Hopefully, your side gets the win. Um, and until next week, we'll see you on the forums.